I'm spilling the secret. The big D was never just about divorce. Okay? It's a platform to have conversations about the grief we experience coming out of intimate relationships. The conversations we don't have anywhere else. I am your host, Miranda, and producer, and editor, and... I really procrastinated editing this episode. This is a personal one for me. I laughed and I also cried as I went through it. Yes, okay, all the episodes are personal, but this one involves some of my own grief. This episode is The Ultimate D, a title bestowed by my guest, one of my close friends, Zach. The Ultimate D being death. Yeah, Zach has a sense of humor, to say the least. Last year, Zach's wife and my friend, Taryn, died. I mentioned this later, but she is the first person I've lost who is my age, my friend, a peer. It's a grief I haven't experienced before. I miss her so much. I was never truly conscious, really, of how much each of my friends plays a unique role in my life until she was gone. There are so many things, topics, issues I want to bring to her that I think really only just the two of us would have cared about. (laughs) In this episode, Zach shares his love story and talks about his grief. We talk about what it's like to be alone after having the future you hoped for erased. And we talk about what healing has looked like for him. Okay, so who is Zach? He was born and raised in the eastern townships of Quebec, but now calls Toronto home. Thank goodness. As part of his resetting of his life, he is just in the process of launching a brand new travel company called Dinosaur Trips that specializes in dinosaur and paleontology-based experiences to destinations around the world. Yeah, you heard it here first. Listen, I'm just, I'm so excited about this and I am like saving up money to be able to go because I fucking love dinosaurs. Okay, I digress. (laughs) The main things that Zag cares about are music, movies, books, pop culture in general, and sports, plus friends and family, but of course. And he has a dog named Dixie and a Montreal Canadian-centric podcast called The Montreal Bias that may or may not come back at some point soon, but you can find it on all of the platforms where you listen to your podcasts. Reflecting on everything Zach and Zach and Taryn went through together, I was so struck by how simple their partnership was. Complex, of course, but also simple. They were two independent people who chose to live alongside each other, expressing their love through the quotidian moments that really matter, the ones that sustain you, the ones that build over their 14 years together and made them so incredibly solid. And what is so beautiful and striking listening to this over again for me 
was and is the way that Zach talks about Taryn, the expression of his love for Taryn in his steadfastness, consistency, the way he showed up for her always, and especially through the years she was sick. Taryn and Zach made a home in each other, with each other, and for their friends. I was, I am lucky to witness that and in my smaller way be loved by both of them also. I keep changing tenses, uh, not because Taryn is gone, but because she is still so present in my life, even if it's in a different way now. Zach is truly and genuinely one of the best people I know, and I am just so honored that he sat down with me to talk about this Um with the purpose of putting it on the podcast. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Zach. Hey, Miranda. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Excited to be on this podcast. I'm really excited to have you on this podcast. Good. So today, will you, today we're talking about something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a great title suggestion for us. I'm proud of it. Which was the, is the ultimate D. Yes, the ultimate D. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, so people understand how we know each other. What is our was our meet cute Zach? Uh, our meet cute, and you got to remind me how we like actually met. But I, we were neighbors. You lived, you lived in the basement of the apartment that uh, my wife Taryn and I shared above you guys. And I knew this question was coming and I couldn't actually remember our like meeting meeting. I actually can't remember either. Yeah, it was just, it was a neighborly thing that organically happened over time. It did. I think that you invited us to a party Mm -hmm. and that was maybe like the first time that we hung out proper. Yeah, you guys just used to come up and and use the washer and dryer that was shared between us, but in our apartment. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and we didn't talk back then. It was like, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> exactly. That's how I greeted you. So at some point, hey, like it, it was parties over a time. Yeah. Um, and I think also a a friendly Habs versus the Leafs pranking situation. One of my first, yeah, one of my first recollections of going past neighborly friends was like, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan and you hung up outside my door all these like, all the Leafs players, like, cut out from colored paper. Like, yeah. I used to the Leafs and decorated my door with that, which, like, fine. The Habs always got the upper hand. It was easy for me to dominate that from that point on. I was like, perfect, here we go. It's true. We were fighting a losing battle. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think you maybe initiated that extra level of friends through through that move. I did. Yeah. That checks out with our relationship. Yeah. Um, I love being friends with my neighbors. And I think this worked out pretty well. Yeah, no, this worked out. Really well. <laughs> it worked out really well. All the what is it like ten years later? Yeah. Yeah, yeah ten years later. Uh we are doing a podcast in my attic. And now we're doing a podcast in your attic. Turns out the entire thing is just spiteful because I get mad whenever anyone says that Torontonians don't know each other and mm-hmm. like the city's too big. That's definitely not true. Uh, yeah, I agree. 
And listen, everyone, this is coming from someone who used to live in Montreal. Yeah, I came in so... with every <laughs> bias against the city of Toronto that I could have. And, and I love the place. But yeah, and people in Toronto know each other. Yeah. Sometimes in ways that are awkward. You're like, oh, you know this person? This? <sighs> That's also very true. That's another episode. That's another episode. <laughs> uh, dating in Toronto. So I am looking forward to asking you this question because I think well, I love asking this question of, of anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what what is your love story with Taryn? Should we introduce that uh, Taryn's truth first or like the reality of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The ultimate D is is death. Mm -hmm. uh, Taryn passed away 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. All that to say, if you hear me in this love story getting increasingly sad, that's that's why. Uh, our love story goes back to university, um, university age. She was a student at Bishop's University. I was a local. I went to university, but just not at Bishop's. I was at the French University uh, in Sherbrooke, but I was very much part of Bishop's University life, um, more so than my university for language-based reasons. And so, yeah, I was a local, and so the locals tended to work at the one kind of student bar in town. Um, so I was DJing there on a Wednesday night, which was not a night people tend to go out, but that was how I started DJing at the bar. We had a, a mutual friend, Taryn and I, uh, who I had invited. I didn't know Taryn, obviously, at this point. So I invited this friend to come out to the bar because I'm DJing for like four alcoholics who sit at the bar and, and nobody else. And that's not what you want when you're trying to play music. <laughs> Uh, so I was trying, you know, word of mouth, I'll get people out. And, and the bar was absolutely empty besides the old guys. Um, and, and my friend Lee brought Taryn in, uh, they were out on their own adventures. They didn't stick around despite, I'm sure I was playing some great tracks, but it wasn't enough. And that was how I, that was how I met Taryn was, she was presented to me through friend and Taryn had these little red mittens on and put them up over the DJ booth and, uh. That was our first interaction with him. I was like, oh, she's cute. But I mean, I certainly had no game or idea of what to do back then. <laughs> and then maybe even a week or two after that, uh, back at the same bar, because again, pulling bar basically for everybody. I wasn't working. I was a patron that night. And my friends had decided to go to the strip club, and that wasn't for me. Uh, never has been. And I was like, no, I'll, I'll stick around here. And it was like, it's a small university town, so you can easily like just not know anybody, but just stick around. And I, I knew that like my best friends were all working there. They were bartending, so it was easy to hang around. So it's, I'll kick it here. I'm not going to go there, but I'm also not ready to call it a night. And Taryn wound up being there and, and we started talking and chatted all night. And mm -hmm. I was, I was infatuated with her and thought she was fantastic but also had you know no confidence that any girl would like me back then and so it's just like oh this is a new friend and and i've always had a lot of like female friends so that mm -hmm. wasn't abnormal but i mean recently we had a relationship of like being good friends for a while and a lot of those early days were like doing mushrooms together um mm -hmm. and within that something started to click a little bit or quite a bit um we did one on halloween in like the year 2006, I want to say. And that night was very much a, oh, this person could be my person kind of deal and vice versa. There's something very deep on that trip that night. 
uh, but being me and being her, I'm not going to take all the blame for this. Like still nothing happened. Like I, I moved to Montreal at that point to work on a movie set for a minute mm -hmm. and would come back on weekends and stuff back to town and stay at her place and stay in her bed. Like and still nothing, nothing happened at all because we were two dummies. Uh, and eventually she came in to stay when, to, to see a Joel Plaskett show in Montreal mm -hmm. and uh, her and her friend, her roommate stayed in my apartment. Um, and to our introduction part of the conversation, I was, I was like an obsessive Habs fan back then. Now it's a healthy relationship with the hockey team. Mm -hmm. But so I was maybe going to go to, I didn't have a ticket or anything. This is me still defending myself 15 years later, but I didn't have a ticket. I wasn't like committed, committed to going. And the game went in overtime and they had to go to the show. And I was like, no, I want to see this. It probably wasn't that important to the game. I don't remember. But all the same, I was like, I'm not going to go on a concert with you because I want to see the end of this hockey game. Uh, and then when she got back and had had several drinks, so she had a little more courage to say what she wanted to say, she gave me shit of like, I've liked you. What is this? Like, we're just going along here. Like, she knew me well enough to know I was not able to make like the move or even s and say anything, whatever it is. But at the same time, she was frustrated by that. Yeah. She could have done that again, defending myself to my late <laughs> wife. <laughs> but, you know, hey, equality. <laughs> you could have made a move. I would have been very happy with that. But, but so she just gave me shit that night. I was like, I, I do like you. And then she got really mad. Uh, and then, but I think she also wasn't stupid. She was up to something at the same time. Um, and so, like, I don't know, a week or two went by, and I was going to go back home, as I did every couple weeks at that point. I knew that one of her big things back then, as a university student, was she had this, like, thing that she would tell people, like, the perfect man would be able to, I like cake and whiskey, so anyone that could combine that. So I figured out, like, I made up a whiskey cake recipe, went out and had to buy, a, like, a mixer and all this to make the cake, made the cake, came back on the bus from Montreal back to the eastern townships in Quebec and showed up, and she was picking me up. So, like... A, we still had a thing going. I was just, I thought I'd blown it. But had I had any sense that I'd do at 38 years old, I would have been like, obviously she's still into you, dummy. But all the same, I brought the cake. And she's like, what is that? Because I had in like the Tupperware, which I also specifically bought this cake transporting Tupperware for it. And I was like, it's a whiskey cake. And she's like, shut up, I hate you. And then I came back because we were going to a concert that night on this band called Pony Up who don't exist anymore, sadly, but they had a song called Shut Up and Kiss Me, and we saw this band at the little place in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and after the show, she goes and tells the lead singer, because it was that kind of show, it's small enough, you go talk to the band after. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says to the lead singer, who wrote the song, oh, that song, that's about him for me. <laughs> so she's putting me on blast, and this girl was just like, oh, I'll tell you about the guy it was about for me, and they had a nice moment over that, and I had a moment of standing there like, yay! <laughs> Somewhere between, that was on January 27th of the year 2007, and by after midnight, January 28th, 2007, much, arguing is the wrong word, but much convincing, I guess, by me, and her probably just being like, this is what I set you up for, repent, 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 and eventually I'll give in. Uh, she was like, okay, we can date. And so at some point, we, that, we started dating at that point, and we were kind of inseparable from that moment on until she passed away. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was... These two idiots couldn't find, couldn't figure it out for themselves, despite it being very obvious to everyone else. And then once we locked into that, it was, uh, we were really inseparable from, for the next like 14 years. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's my love story. Mm. I've only heard like tiny little bits of that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty common to tell somebody if they're just sitting there. But yeah, those are all the little pieces. Because from that point on, like, that's only the meeting and the get together, I guess. But from that point on, it was pretty easy. Like, it just, I mean, we didn't get engaged for a decade, but that was our own choice. You know, that Mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, we were were very in love from that, from very fast. And and, yeah. 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 I never... Like, there are some couples who aren't married, and you can kind of see that there's, like, tension about that issue, but I never felt that. And, like, you're, you know, deciding to wait to get engaged and then get married. Like, it was just like, oh, they're just, like, 100% committed to each other, and it doesn't matter, really. No, we didn't have a perfect relationship, but we had a really good relationship. It was, there was a lot of love there, for sure, and and him. It was challenging like any relationship the last 14 years can be, but it wasn't, it was never hard, you know? The love was always there. Other things were, you know, life is around, but. Yeah. 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 Do you want to share anything about how she died or what happened over the last year? I mean, yeah, she she got sick with, um, actually, I still don't really know yeah. in a lot of ways, to be honest, but she got sick and was sick for quite a while and had been sick for even longer, but the last two years she'd been on and off sick. Um, it was something that we couldn't really get to the bottom of. Yeah. And then finally wound up in the hospital a couple of times, but wound up in the hospital July of uh, 2021, starting July 1st, um, was there for a month. Mm-hmm. And they they figured out what had been causing the problem, um, which was a couple of hereditary diseases that were kind of, I think, you know, again, I. I still haven't even seen, like, there's been no autopsy or anything yet, so I don't know. No, that's for sure. But there were two hereditary diseases that just kind of put her in a bad spot where her body started shutting, all the major organs started shutting down. Eventually, she didn't come home from the hospital, but because of everything that she'd gone through, Mm -hmm. um, she passed away from a massive heart attack uh, here at our home. So, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, it was a long two Two years of her being very sick and mm. although i think it's important like in the context and i you know we'll get into more conversations about all of this and other people's death experiences but for a context of just like it was an unexpected death i guess that's what i'm trying to put out there like she was sick but the expectation was always that she was going to get better yeah uh, and was getting better until yeah until but just until she didn't. That's, I guess that's where I'm coming from. I've spoken to people who lost people now, and, and there's certainly a difference in all of this. And like, were you ready for it? Did you expect it? That kind of thing. And th- this was a surprise. Yeah. I think for me, it's been a very different grief experience than other griefs. Mm-hmm. And for that exact reason, because when it's like your, your peer, yeah. You don't it like I don't ever think that I take any of my friends for granted, but there is like in your brain an expectation that they're not being you in your life. They're not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, you take them to grant you take them for granted to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. I think saying take for granted is not even fair to everybody in that scenario. You just don't expect people to disappear. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually it was your birthday a few weeks ago, or like two last weeks ago. Last week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot's happened in the last week. Sure. Um, and I wrote this birthday card for you when I was drunk, and <laughs> I 
like wrote it just like from the heart. And it said something like, um, I can't imagine my life without you. Miranda, <laughs> love Miranda. And then I sat in your attic drunk for 10 minutes, freaking out about having written that. And I was like, is this genuine? Like, is this true? And I was like, should I even say this? Like, you know how you start like, um, yes, I do know. Yeah, you know, and I was just like, this is a hundred percent true. And I think like, it's still the way that I, I, I think it's a genuine sentiment that like you can't imagine your life without people. For sure, yeah, and, and that's different than taking them for granted. But yes, it's kind of been like a. I had kind of like a little mini crisis about it. Yeah, I know. I. I'm sorry you had a mini crisis, but that's no, very sweet. That's very sweet. No, it's not. It wasn't even like that. It was just like a continuation of the processing of sure of things, um, and also just. But you know, you know, put the card on the table of just being like, yeah, I totally mean this. So, I mean, I wouldn't have done this. Well, I mean, there would have been no reason for me to do this podcast otherwise. But like, I'm certainly in a place where I'm yeah. much. Talking about everything that we're about to talk about, like yeah, just that stuff and just telling people I love them is, is yeah. something I do much better now. Yeah, for like, sure. We'll get into it, but it it hasn't not made me a better person, and probably even mental my mental health. On the other hand, one hand has been rocked and wrecked. On the other hand, it forces you to grow. I guess is probably the yeah. best way to say that. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about that. From my old cold self to new Zach. <laughs> I haven't felt like a shift in who you are as a person, but like you obviously have made the choice to invest in your mental health more. At all. At all. So can you tell me about that process, like deciding to go to therapy. That was decided immediately. Like I knew, like I knew before Tara passed away. Largely, I even knew before she got sick, but when she was sick, it was very obvious. And we, her and I had had these conversations mm -hmm. of like, um, both of us knew that we should probably just go to therapy. Not out of like, but just like everyone should go to therapy. Yeah. Very good, you know. Yeah. And and both of us are very anxious people who mm -hmm. it would be helpful for, you know, obviously. But pandemic and everything, and she was sick. And so, but then when she got sick, it was very clear that like the idea at that point, the conversations we had was like, once we're through this, we're both going to yeah. go to therapy because we've gone through a lot of trauma. So it wasn't like I had no intention ever of doing it. Part of it was just the cost. Um, it wasn't, it's not covered by any job I've ever had. So that alone seemed oh, too much. Like, cause yeah. like, oh, I'm okay-ish. I make it, you know? Um, but no, the, as soon as she passed away, I people immediately said to me you should and i i was ahead of that i was like yeah no obviously i'm not going to do this without professional help in some way so mm -hmm. no and that's been that's been you know crucial to my whole grief run has been having therapy i don't know what i would do without it um it's been at first it was just cathartic almost i would just talk for the full 50 minutes almost with no reaction yeah. Not no, no reaction. That's unfair. But it was just me getting all the feelings out, you know. It's evolved from that, certainly. But yeah, I knew I needed to, that needed to be part of this process because I wasn't sure I was going to make it anyway. But I knew if I had a chance to make it. I never had suicidal thoughts or anything. But I certainly had thoughts of what am I doing? What am I here for? 
I don't know what make it means. It didn't mean, but just finding a reason every day to get out of bed, I guess, and, and yeah, figure that part out. And I'm not yeah. entirely there, to be honest. There's plenty of days where I still don't know why, but yeah, but that you know, that's part of this. Yeah. What do you miss most about Taryn? My therapist has asked me this actually, so I've had a chance to like think about it. Sure. Um, but it's it's kind of a boring answer. It's like just her presence, and but that is what it is. That's what I miss all the time and the most. Like I said, we were quite inseparable from the moment we started dating, and even kind of before that, we were around a lot. And and certainly, certainly through our relationship, like as much as we were very much individual people who yeah. needed a lot of personal time. We would still spend in the same space. Yeah. Um, we could. We were very good at doing our own thing, and and you know we weren't. We were reliant on each other necessarily for anything. Well, not for nothing, but you know, for like we didn't need to be together at every moment. We didn't need if she was going to go do something that she wanted to do that wasn't of interest to me. That was fine, and vice versa. And there was a lot of that in our relationship, but because we were two independent people. But there's something about just sharing a space with somebody and having that presence and how often we would like just, you know, slight touches to each other as you walk by and waking up in the morning next to somebody. Like, it, it, it really is what I miss the most. I mean, I miss everything all the time, but presence, whatever that means, the presence of somebody is what I miss mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. And she definitely had a unique presence. She had a Hell, like that's the thing. She took up, she didn't take up space in like a negative way, but no. she was a she was a very present person. Like she, totally, you knew about Taryn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She she didn't. She was kind of quiet in some ways, but also not quiet at all in other ways. And yeah, just was very good at. She, there wasn't many rooms she was in. People didn't know she was there. Yeah. yeah. Killer sense of style. Incredible. So aesthetically presence, but also, I think, like, her incredible observation skills. Yeah. Like, if you are observing, then you can feel that happening in someone else, and that takes up room. Yeah. Uh, space in a room. Yeah, she was very easy to know she was there, and certainly, and, you know... I don't even know if that needs to be a special characteristic in somebody, which it was in her case, but when you're in a relationship with somebody, it's just like, yeah, that's what I miss. It's just her presence, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the unexpected things that you have experienced? <sighs> Grief is super weird. Very. Because there's a lot in addition to sadness. Mm -hmm. Like sadness, you're ready for. Well, no, you're not ready for. That's, <laughs> but sadness you expect, I guess, is yeah. the way to put it. The the kind of sadness, the kind of grief that I felt I wasn't ready for because it's stronger than any emotion I've ever experienced in my life. In ways that I, I you just can't be ready for because I don't think, I don't think there's anything that prepares you for that. Yeah. But. What I've been surprised by is just the strangeness of suddenly finding yourself alone after all that time. And, and you know, obviously we're on a podcast about divorce here. I think there's something like that's where these similarities start to form is it's expecting to spend your life with somebody and mapping it all out that way and yeah. just 
just the fact that it's not that. And okay, what now? What, who am I? What do I do? Like, as an example of this, making meals, we, we both can cook. And, um, though by the time she passed away, she definitely had taken over making more of the meals just in the way we worked out. Um, but we, we both would make, we both would cook and, and making food for myself. Even though I'll make the same things, I'll lean back to my favorites. Like, you know, I've got all her recipes when I can figure out what her handwriting says. Sometimes <laughs> like I can figure it out. I, you know, I can make all the things we loved and, and, and there's something about making that meal just for you that is just, oh, okay. This is an effort instead of like an act of love, I think. <sighs> Yeah. So that's, and, and so that's a sad part. Obviously it's a sad, I mean, it's all sad, but that's a, like a sad part of it. And, but there's also parts that are just strange where just getting used to being on my own. And as I said, I, we were both very independent people in our relationship for sure. But th something about thinking of yourself only all the time was very, has been very odd for me. I think we found a lot of purpose in each other. Like, I mean, our, our wedding dance song was the low and undergrounds. I found a reason. And that probably means more in hindsight than it even did in that moment. We just like both liked that song and thought it was very romantic, but it's like, oh no, that was my reason for everything. Like it yeah. really was. And so losing that purpose, losing that reason, under just trying to think, okay, what, who the hell am I? What am I here for? Like, what do I do? What are the things on a day-to-day basis? Because it was, yeah. you know, I, I'm not trying to oversell our relationship, but it really, it really was, I think, uh, the crux of our existence together, despite being independent people, like was, I'm here for this person. Yeah. We're here for each other. And, and that's been very strange. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what the hell does Zach want? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's also partly like, why I was attracted to or like just drawn to both of you is because you, your priorities were similar to mine insofar as like your priority was each other and your friendships and relationships and not necessarily other things in life. Yeah, that was very obvious to me from the beginning. A lot of people have told me that since mm -hmm. you passed away. That's not shocking. I think we were probably more obvious in how we felt about each other publicly than we or like in front of friends and family than we thought we were for one because people picked up on it i think you know we were definitely two people who thought we were you know against any public displays of affection <laughs> yeah you that, were like in that way no we didn't we but, didn't make it obvious in our minds but it was definitely clear i yeah totally yeah um so your friends and family, how, how have they cared for you over the last nine months? I mean, it saved my life. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done on my own. And luckily I never had to really figure that out or think about it at all. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's the way people have been for me is incredible. Um, I, I feel awful for people who don't have the system that I had around me. I mean, it's really, it's fucking impossible anyway mm -hmm. um so without everybody my family and friends have just been beyond supportive and and you know giving me a lifeline to to find that kind of shit to be like what do i care about what am i here for mm -hmm. what's my point um 
no, it's been, <laughs> I, I'm eternally grateful for everyone in my life. And supporting through, like, just keeping me busy, being ready. Everyone's, you know, anyone I reach out to for anything is been both like, yeah, okay, of course. Like, it's mm -hmm. been, it's been really nice in that way. People have been in my corner and really helped. And, and and it's been 10 months now and it hasn't faded or anything like that from her wake on when everybody showed up i think that really helped my parents they were here at the wake we had here at the house yeah and my parents are obviously worried about me i'm sure they still are um but they definitely were given some confidence that this might he might make it yeah because they got to witness because they saw how much community. my community was there and you know, I, I live, my parents are back in Quebec. It's a seven hour drive. I think in a lot of senses, they knew I was here with Taryn and they knew I had a, a lot of friends, like, mm -hmm. but I guess they'd never really seen what it, the kind of people that I had around me. Yeah. And so once they did see that and the love that people had for Taryn and for me, I think it gave them a lot of confidence. And me too, frankly, like, I know I have great friends and really love my friends, but yeah, it's been the difference maker to be honest like yeah. that's that's been what's allowed me to still i think i'm doing relatively speaking like well and that's only because of the people in my life like yeah. they deserve all the credit and specifically like a few people when taryn got home from the hospital we thought everything was going to be okay then we started talking about like what if this hadn't gone positive mm -hmm. she said well you know i had a plan like i was going to tell these two people, they might as well say their names, Lee and Amelia. Here's what he's going to need. Like, here's how to take care of him, basically. And she never got to say that because we thought she was going to be okay. But I don't know that she needed to say much because they had, like, been amazing. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that's who got me through, friends and family. You don't have to do hand signals because I can live. edit it. I'm used to live. <laughs> that, Sean would have just sushi. kept talking there. I would have just gone and got a drink. Yeah, well, that also would have worked. Wait, you do your podcast live? No, but what? We try not to edit it. Oh, and also, shit. we came from radio. Okay. We started, we did two years or three years of radio shows together, so. Yeah. We just kind of still play it that way. I like that. That sounds more fun. It's way more fun. <laughs> oh, that would actually save me a lot of time. Yep. But I don't think I could do this that way. No, you remember my head still. I'm used to like always. That's how I was still like this. Keep it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is still going. No, I know. <laughs> uh, one of the recurring themes, or not themes, but things that has come up there's like a lot of things like cooking and food mm -hmm. has come up a few times when i've talked to people and then also how our generation which is more secular we don't have some of the same traditions and ceremonies around deaths but i do think that like we're not given enough credit for figuring out how to do community in our own way. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, I, I, you tell me. There is an element to this because we are younger. We haven't encountered this experience before. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, were there situations, like awkward situations with people that you had to navigate? Or were people kind of like, I don't know, missed the mark at all? Not really. I can give everyone credit for the most part. Like, it's it has, people do the thing and it's very excusable. Like, I don't get even a little bit mad. Because they always preface it with, I know this isn't the same, but like, a parent <laughs> or something. Right, right, right. It's just an attempt at empathy. No, it's not an attempt at empathy. It is empathy. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's how we work socially. Like, we try to connect. And so it can feel a little short. I know losing a parent is, is its own devastation. Taryn lost her dad, and it, we went through that. It was hard. But it's yeah. still not the same as losing a partner yeah. who's 34 years old and you're 37 years old. Like that's, or even any age. Losing a partner is different than losing a parent. Parents, you ideally, we, we lose. Like that's how this is supposed yeah. to work. I've now seen firsthand when it doesn't go that way. That's, it's, it's not natural yeah. for, for us. And, and it's, it's obviously awful. So, but it's still not, to, you know, it's not the same thing. So. A few, you know, that comes up and, and, but everybody qualifies every single time. So, yeah. you know, I first fine. did it once, I think, once or twice. I'm not even mad. I'm, it's really not, that's an okay thing to do, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's an okay I, thing to yeah. do. It's totally. very fine. Uh, yeah. The only individual of all that has really, like, kind of upset me mm. was uh, a real estate agent that I had come to the house. Um, because I'm trying to figure out the house situation here. Mm -hmm. Is that something you have to deal with? All that stuff, that speaking of other things, just like the legality and finances and everything, that's a nightmare. Logistics. The logistics of death are right. insane. So I had to have a real estate agent come, you know, it's just like, oh, wow, would you like to add bureaucracy to your grief? <laughs> you know, or lawyers or anything else. That's a nightmare. This guy was, and he was still trying his best about it. But it didn't land. It, it upset me. Comparing it to the divorce he was going through. Oh. He was kind of tough speaking to the bureaucracy and all of that. Of, yeah. of either losing somebody the way I did or losing yeah. after divorce. But that was, it just, it was pre, it felt a little too cold and a little too, yeah. I mean, I'm probably coming in with a bias against the real estate bro to start with. That's <laughs> who I am. But, I mean, that's, that's. Yeah, cool. exactly. So I maybe didn't even give him as much benefit of a doubt, but. Yeah, that upset me. And that was where I was like, shut up and get out. Yeah. Like, the, do not do this. That isn't, I don't, that I didn't like. That's been the one. I mean, that's not somebody I knew. That's not somebody, you know, that was a business exchange just effectively. And, and he missed the mark on that. But most people, there hasn't been, people have been great. Like, I can't say enough good things about the people in my life for, for all of this. That's nice. It is. And I mean, that's a credit to everybody who, who yeah. is in my life. Yeah. Um, I always thought that, um, I've seen it like on the internet, but I've never actually, I've seen it, it on the internet. I've seen it in a meme. <laughs> um, I've seen it in Instagram pop psychology. I don't know, whatever. Like, you know, the, I've never heard anyone say this in real life, but uh like the phrase like uh divorce is like losing your spouse but right. they're just walking around in the world still and i've never thought that made any sense because you would still want your spouse 
to be in the world, even if you couldn't be with them. I, I would hope so. I mean, there's definitely people who don't feel that way. That's true. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, that's that's its own they need to work on that themselves but i think they like yeah your real estate agent means like a moment of reflection a little moment of reflection. yeah no because I've, I've heard that too and like to so that that can fuck off that's not to save like yeah because there's two parts for me there's two parts of all of this there's the sadness and the comparison he was making and it's the comparison yeah. like the comparison that that divorce is like that is making yeah is that part of it for me, part of what I'm contending with is just being alone in the world. And like yeah. all that I was talking about, like where you have a life that you expect with someone and that goes away. Sure, that's comparable. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm on this podcast is because there's yeah. some comparison. Yeah. But where I go, fuck you, get out of here. Yeah. is like, even if you hate the other person yeah. in a divorce and you can't, you know, the other part of grief is this person that I love so much. That was my whole world. Yeah. They don't get to do any of it, let alone with me. Forget, like, you will remove yourself from the equation. It's like, yeah, just the thing, just the living, just, just the living, actually. I can leave it there. Like, the living, they don't get to do. And so it's not like that. Because, like, I wanted to yell at this guy, like, but if you needed to, you could call her and hear her voice, yeah. even though you're not together. And I'm sure that comes with its own types of pain, obviously. Yeah. It just, that's where, you know, that falls down quickly for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like, this podcast, here, the secret. Here we go. Is it's about grief and intimate relationships. And the grief and intimate relationships that we don't really talk about. Yeah. At least in, like, a very frank way. Not explicit not specifically yeah. divorce that's why i wanted to invite you on because i can't really think of a lot of examples as real storytelling especially from in our generation of your experience yeah no i don't know i don't know anybody i've got a few people in like my larger social sphere who've gone through that but i mean we're young it is different at this age yeah yeah yeah, and I think, like like you said, your friends have tried and done a really good job. I think that's something, like, we're all learning. And, like, a lot of us, like, at least me, like, I'm still learning relationship skills. Yeah. So in terms of meeting people mm -hmm. who have similar experiences, yeah, you met uh, a widow on a dating app. Yeah, I did. How was that experience? That's amazing. That was so great. Yeah. It was really nice. Um, and we're still chatting and we're planning on hanging out again. I went back on the dating apps within the last like couple months <laughs> and we can get into all that. <laughs> but I put, I, I put out front that I'm a widower because yeah. like, I don't want to A, be having a nice time with someone and trying, you know, knowing myself, the anxiety of, oh no, how do I bring this up now and yeah. back in and, and it's just, it's. I mean, I, I hate, no, I hate it. I hate that this is the biggest part of who I am at this point, but it, it is. I can't get around that for better and worse, you know, mm -hmm. mostly worse. But like to what I was saying earlier, I think part of me has probably become a better person for this kind of, yeah. something happens in your life. 
you take stock in ways you never expect. Yeah. But so, you also have like chosen to engage that way. I have chosen to engage that way. And a lot of people don't, Zach. No, that's fair. Yeah. But I don't know. Like for me, that wasn't even like a choice of, it wasn't a choice. I, that's the only way I was going to yeah. configure out how to do it. So yeah, I put it out there. And so she messaged me basically being like, hey, I'm a, I'm a widow. I think that's interesting that you put that out there. Do you want to just talk about this? And she'd been, she'd been widowed longer than I've been a widower by like, you know, she's a couple of years into it. I'm, I'm less than a year into it, but no, we had a great time. We met first for coffee on a Saturday morning, just to chat and, mm -hmm. and drinks in the afternoon. And, and we had a really nice time. Like it was for somebody I'd never met before yeah. that we walked into the cafe and encountered each other. Um, you know, it was, we laughed, we cried. It was the whole spectrum yeah. and, and you know, it's. The band-aid's off in that situation, I think, for both of us, where it's it's just really nice because as great as my family and friends have been, no one quite gets it for the reasons you were just citing. Like, no one's been through this yet, really, in, in my whole sphere. I mean, this podcast is a place where I will talk about those exact same things as, as that moment. But in a general sense, it was the kind of stuff that we are talking about on this episode of, like, that I couldn't or wouldn't put on people they just wouldn't understand that you mm -hmm. can be like, hey, we were talking about like, her husband passed in a very different way. She knew he was gonna die. Like, right. um, so that's, we have very different experiences even with our mm -hmm. similar experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we had the shared experiences of like the person being very sick and what it's like to have to help a loved one in and out of the bathtub and mm -hmm. when, you know, wash someone's hair over a sink because they're so sick. And, and you know, you, A, no one I know can identify with that. And B, I don't want to put that on people. Like, in a just what can anyone do for me when I say this? And some of it's, like, sad, obviously. Yeah. But some of it's just, like, isn't that really goddamn hard? Like, physically or something, you know? And, yeah. and it's, you can make complaints about it all. You can complain about the process of someone dying in your life it was really nice in that way that connection yeah. was really helpful when i was first looking into therapy people had suggested well people the system effectively had suggested to me like group therapy and i knew i wasn't i know who i am yeah. no that's not for me <laughs> yeah. and her and i we talked about this because she had the exact same experience of like being young they're not it's not at least the way the system was going to pop us into therapy was wasn't going to be like other people in their 30s or 40s let's say who 20s who lost some you know what's considered young i guess who lost somebody it was grief therapy for losing yeah. a partner this is i'm not proud of this but the reality is if i have to listen to somebody 75 years old 65 years old talk about losing somebody their partner i'm gonna have empathy for so many points of it but part of me is gonna be jealous and mad like they had the time that I was like, you got 30 more years. You know how I got 14, I got, you know, from 19 years old to 34 years old. I just knew that that wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be able to deal with that. Certainly at that point and still now I wouldn't, I, my, I, I get jealous of old couples. It hits me. And so even hearing somebody who lost somebody who's like, oh, I was 75 and my wife passed away and be like, you know how much you got, which isn't fair. It's super hard at that age. I'm sure I, I, I have no doubt it might even be more challenging in some ways, but 
I, I knew that wasn't going to be helpful for me. So yeah, meeting with someone my age who had, and frankly had, you know, the extra few months of experience within this, because this does grief of this kind changes week to week almost. It was really nice. And, and she had a lot of good advice for me. And we just really like, yeah, the, and there's nothing romantic there at all. And we were both like, two people in our situations shouldn't get involved romantically. <laughs> you know, getting a relationship with someone else who's going through through grief would probably not be wise. Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna forge connections over grief, but I don't think trauma bonding. Trauma bonding's never, you know. That's why Keanu Reeves wasn't in speed too, because they it was the speed <laughs> the first speed was trauma. And that relationship wasn't gonna last. Uh yeah. <laughs> there's um there's definitely like in my experience um from a few situations where I was temporarily a caregiver um like it's physically hard it's emotionally hard and it's also isolating yeah it's very isolating and to your point you can't really complain about it. No, you can't. Of course you can't. <laughs> but you really need to. Um, you really need to have that opportunity. And I think in our culture where, like, long-term monogamous relationships are the pinnacle of, like, success and relationships. And if if you point to any <laughs> issue with your vow of in sickness and in health, then <laughs> then you're seen as, I don't know, at least like I was worried of the perception of I wasn't being a good spouse by venting. In the moment, I, I didn't, in the moment, I didn't, I don't think I wanted to or needed to vent. Oh. And there's my own, like, that's not entirely healthy either. Because I think one of the things that coming out of a relationship with someone who is sick like that, it's not that you assign some hero status to yourself, but kind of probably there's something about like, I'm doing this. It's, it's easy to feel good about it in its own way. And the sacrifices were kind of easy for me to feel good about. I have that too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. To a point like, yeah. to a point where once she passed away, also I hate saying passed away. Once she died, passed away is weird to me. I think you should say died if that's what you want. Pass away feels like I'm trying to hide, like to yeah. sugarcoat something. Part of finding purpose was like I had been so committed and, and put so much of who I was and my identity into being the caregiver and, you know, yeah. the person who was like in some ways literally carrying her. That was an absence too. That was its own weird, like when we were talking about what was weird for in that way. And, and this is what I was talking about with the person I met up who, with, who also lost somebody, like just coming down from like, I guess in heroic arm, but like I was carrying everything and now I got nothing to carry. What the hell am I supposed to do? You yeah. know, it's that, that's strange. Cause I just got so into that mode, you know, probably had somebody given me a moment to say, would you like to complain about this? That would have been fantastic. But you just, you, you dig in and you kind of forget that, yeah. that that's part of it. Yeah. And also because you don't want to imply that there's anywhere else. You yeah, I probably be. didn't want to admit it to myself too. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that this isn't ideal for my purpose. Yeah, you know? not ideal, but also that you also wouldn't be doing anything else. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. 
that it's you would make the same choice and you don't want to imply anything else. Yeah, exactly. So on the apps. The date naps. <laughs> is being a widower hot on the apps? Turns out no. <laughs> maybe, maybe for, I think for some people it's probably more attractive. I think there's a, I think it all depends, right? I mean, yeah. the same way anything works on these things. Some people it works for, some people it doesn't. But I did do an experiment. Oh. Uh, on a couple. Uh, I was on M1. Okay. I haven't really been on them lately. What's your methodology? Hinge, Bumble, and Hinge. And Hinge, I didn't do the experiment up because Hinge feels like the only legitimate one for me. No free ads, but hey, Hinge, <laughs> give Miranda some money yeah. for this podcast. It's the only good dating app for widowers who are 38 years old. I can say that much. Uh, if you want to admit you're a widower, that one I kind of enjoy because it feels more human than the other, than Tinder and Bumble, the other two I signed yeah. up for. But I, I did try this experiment on Tinder and Bumble because, again, I cared about one. The other two just seemed like passing time. And so at some point in the last month, I dropped the preface that I was a widower on those two. And I went from like getting one or two likes a week. I got nervous about it for a while. So I like would go and Google it and be like, how many likes do you, does the average dude get? Right. And it did, that seemed kind of, it didn't seem terrible. And it also depends on if you're paying or not. Like, I wasn't your, paying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, they, it, there's so many things involved, but yeah. I was at the same time, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, then I dropped the widower and it increased like seven times as many. <sighs> Wow. So I was like, okay, well, I guess it's not, maybe I'll just try and bring it up in the first messages. You could, you know, which I get, like, it's, it sucks. Sure. I'm, I don't love that idea that like this widower status makes me less appealing it's from like a, a deficit, but it's a, it's a swipe somehow. world. You're moving quick and you'll bring it up a little later. You know, this is, I work in marketing and branding. Maybe yeah. don't put the thing that is a bit of it. <laughs> don't immediately start with, here's some baggage. I'm sure there's a, a percentage of the population who that's actually appealing to because, you know, I've been vetted life and then I wasn't true. even, didn't even get left. It was, you know, life ripped apart. You didn't so. even get left. <laughs> it's like, oh, it wasn't like, For oh. For all you divorcees yeah, out there. You, guys, you got left. You got left. For me, <laughs> I was still in there, you know, still. Oh my God. It's, it's kind of true. Like, it's it. supporting this. The no, no, no. I'm... <laughs> I'm with you, but and I, maybe there's some crossover here on who would be interested in this kind of baggage because I just, like, I don't want to date anyone who pretends they don't have baggage. Yeah, well, I, I... So then why not just fucking put it out there? <laughs> well, what did it, my first status, which I then had to admit, because it wasn't good. Okay, give it... I mean, you liked me. it when I when I pitched it to you. Yeah, because you're... I like you. And exactly. Like, you know. It was it was so late. Wait, what was it? Oh, yeah, it was five, seven, widower, stoner, just three <laughs> periods. <laughs> yeah. I was like, here's all the, here's all the things that, that, that might be not ideal about me is I'm, I'm short, I'm a widower, and I smoke a bunch of weed. <laughs> so I, I, I slowly, I think I got rid of all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess, no, my height is still out there. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone disappointed to me when I show up being 5'7". Well. And I don't want to date anyone who doesn't want to date anyone 5'7". That's, that's the truth. Sure, King Summer. Sure, King Summer. Wait, who did, <laughs> who started that? I don't know who started that. 
Today was I didn't do my I, research. I was pronouncing his name properly, Jabuki. Sure. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Oh, you do. <laughs> okay. You've seen his tweets. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I do know who that is. Yeah, I do know who that is. Um, but I may not be pronouncing his name correctly. No, that's how I said it. My, it's not your fault. Okay, great. It's not your fault. So we talked about grief a lot. Yep. <laughs> what What is healing looking for you? Looking, healing, looking right. I hope healing finds me. <laughs> yeah. The therapy was big, mm-hmm. and the support of our runaround. That was that's what healing has been. Yes. But I like I used to be. We used to be, I think it's the better way to say it, uh, whole bodies for sure. We were the kind of people who, especially love when plans got canceled. Most nights of the week, I just wanted to be home. And even weekends, like, we we were very social. We loved hosting. And we even liked going out to things. You know, we loved going to movies and concerts and, and visiting friends. But there was a part of us, and, and I don't think it's a secret to anyone who knew us, like, that just kind of stayed here at our home and liked being together and while also doing our independent things together. Yeah. I don't know if this is part of, well, certainly the idea of being by myself for too long just lets things get harder. I try, I'm not by myself much, um, despite now living alone. Mm-hmm. I can certainly see more people than I ever have. Uh, yeah. You know, most nights of the week I find something to do now, which used to, was a nightmare for me to this. <laughs> to this. Yeah. Like it was just, uh, that would have exhausted me. And now if I don't have something to do for a night, I can allow one of those to happen a week. And it almost used to be the inverse. It used to be like, okay, if I'm one thing between Monday and Friday, that's enough things. And now it's like the one night without people, two nights in a row without people is hard. Mm. Um, but it's been good. But, you know, I, I see that positively. I've really enjoyed being busy and constantly in motion. And I'm, and I'm, mm. I'm not exhausted from it. Like, it used to make me tired. Uh, yeah. Also, post-pandemic's part of that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Not an ideal time to be trying to integrate more into your community. No, definitely. <laughs> but it's been, yeah, like, with, with Lee and Amelia, the two, you know, the folks who have yeah. really been the people who carried me through this. You know, we've we've got this thing we joked about pretty soon after Jared passed away. Like, I did it again. I hate saying that. It's such a polite thing to do, and I don't even like hearing don't myself be, say don't passed away. No, I know. It's a, it's a, it's it's a, a natural. Like, it happens, but I don't, don't like it. Yeah. Um, after Jared died, I, I pitched it, and they were in. It was like, we're going to bun viva this. Like, we're just going to, we're going to lean into enjoying food and drinks and just doing the things that, you know, make us happy. And, and I've... I kind of wasn't sure because you know how you make promises or ideas of like, here's how I'm going to change my life. But turns out losing your person, that stuff can stick in that scenario. Yeah. You know, it's dramatic enough and it has stuck. And I really, you know, all my friends and people in my circle know, you know, I've been to just myriad concerts, you know, since we've been allowed to again. And I keep myself super busy and I'm out for dinner multiple nights. I'm seeing people for drinks all the time. My healing has been... Keeping busy is certainly part of it, but just embracing the things I love and, and doing them full force. Like, it is sucks that I don't have Taryn to share them with because yeah. forever she was the only person that mattered to share things with. Yeah. But I'm finding, you know, it, it, it takes a village to even try to replace her for me. So I, I've tried to make that village and, and, yeah. and that village has to operate 
a hundred times more frequently than when we were just ourselves in our space together. But that's, that's been a big part of it is, is just the people in my life and, or not even with the people in my life, doing things by myself. Like I've gone to a lot of concerts. That was why I got on the dating apps to begin with was I wanted to go see shows with people and it was kind of, you know, I can yeah. see a show by myself and have a really nice time, but it's really nice to share things with people. Yeah. And that's what I miss. I guess in when I'm talking about, you know, when you ask what do I miss the most, presence is one. Two is actually number one overpresence probably is sharing things with someone who knew exactly how you felt about yeah. things and you knew how they felt about things like that sharing. And that's probably, you know, that is in the divorce and death comparison, I think is very valid. Just having that, that sense of, you don't even have to put the effort into sharing. Now I have to put effort into sharing things with people. Maybe not a ton of effort because my people are great, but mm -hmm. you have to do it. And instead, you know, it was just easy to, to see movies together, listen to an album together, see a show together and, and share, share a meal. And so, yeah, now I have to coordinate. Yeah. But, but that's, that has been my healing has just been feeling, really feeling my life. Like to a point, I, I, that's where I'm unrecognizable to my former self to needing to do multiple things a day almost is is a real change. And and that's been my healing. And the other part is just time. And time goes up and down with how close and far you are from it. I mean, I don't think this is a wound that time does heal, but I agree. It it yeah. helps. Mm -hmm. I mean, ten months in I feel significantly better than I did six months in and that jumps price similar from three months, you know, it, it's it doesn't mean it gets easier in a real sense, but it's day to day. I can make it more easily yeah. than I used to. But you're also just being very intentional. I'm being very intentional. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot. I'm a, I've always been quite heady and, and I don't think it hurt me here. It certainly could have, but I'm pretty self-aware, I think. Plus therapy. I, there's a point to all of what I'm doing for sure. I was talking to Taryn. This is like one of the last kind of whole conversations that I had with Taryn was about how I felt almost like unrecognizable to myself and that I was doing things that I never thought that I would be doing. Right. Uh, and then she just said, maybe you've decided life is too short. That resonates. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And it was just such this beautiful, like coming from her who could like. Ooh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if this is like the white, right way to describe it. Like she was very judgmental of some people, but then also extremely like open and like forgiving of the people who were close to her. She hated most people, um, but the people like she was so forgiving of the people who mattered to her. Yeah. Like she lifted in her mind. If you're in her small circle of people she cared about, then you were a superhero. Then like things that and and. You know, Lee, who introduced us and who has been mm -hmm. one of the people that, like, has carried me through this. As she said at, at Taryn's wake, was like, when she was in your corner. Yes. She would, she would almost, like, support things that you weren't even sure. You're like, I don't, <laughs> and she would do this for all of it's us. We were like, she would say great things about you. Like, that's great that you think that, but <laughs> I don't think true. that's true. <laughs> oh, I know. But it was great, you know, it was very, simple. But, but yeah, but if she didn't like you, which was, you know, you had to pass some very high tests. I don't even know what the tests were on it. Oh, they were, I couldn't, I was I, there for 14 years. I, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. 
But like that's what made it all like so much more affirming because in the moment of like the things I was sharing with her, I felt so sheepish about them. And it was so affirming, but then just like also the sentiment of that, well, you've just like decided life is too short. Because she was not somebody who I don't think in some ways had that life is too short approach. Yeah. She she had a I'll do what I want approach. Definitely. <laughs> Which, you know, is enviable. <laughs> so enviable. <laughs> uh, yeah. I definitely was jealous of it sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. That wasn't really her vibe most of the time. So she said it, it would matter. Yeah. <laughs> so it says, I think, you know, and this is ironic for someone who passed away at 34 years old, but sometimes I think she felt life is too long. <laughs> Yeah. Like, this is all, the world is the worst, and it's all hard. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. How could, um, how can people, like, generally, and also specifically, like, myself, or, like, your group all together as friends, have been more supportive? Send cash. Ooh. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, cash ben, so Venmo great. me, here's my, here's my... Cash apps. <laughs> Made that same joke at my wedding in some way. <laughs> uh, actually, people in my life, no, like I have no no notes. I I'm not trying to blow come up here on your podcast and blow smoke up your ass. I, I mean it. Everyone's been amazing. It's like for anyone else who has friends who have lost somebody, uh, take notes from my friends. Like just just Which be there. Be, okay, what invite them on your podcast. That's the whole invite. Thing. <laughs> Let them do what they love, <laughs> which is speaking through the microphone. Exactly. Um, yeah, well, I think, like, a part of the invitation, another, like, layer of it is because you're a storyteller like I am. And then I know, like, a lot of the way you've talked about Taryn is wanting to yeah. just talk about her. Big time. As much as possible. And you also saying them has also, like, given me permission to also do that with my friends and now like i talk about taryn more than like ever before and i don't care and i'm like whatever you'll just like deal with it it's fine i'm exactly like that was yeah that's the one thing i i'm really happy about because there is a thing where people don't talk about Mm -hmm. someone who passed away and i was just really scared of that like taryn was fantastic and I just really wanted, I mean, that was, I mean, like you just alluded to, would I come on this podcast in any scenario because I like to talk into a microphone? Sure. Or I like to talk, <laughs> you don't even need a microphone, I like to talk. And that's good for me. Um, I could have invited you on to talk about yeah, your opinions on divorce. Absolutely. I've got them. <laughs> Never been through it. Next, that's episode two. You promised me two. <laughs> um, Actually, a three-part series. <laughs> Uh, with bonus content <laughs> okay we're gonna do there's the behind the scenes <laughs> behind the behind the scenes but no i knew this was gonna be a challenging thing to do um even though you and i've had plenty of conversations you know off mic about these kind of things yeah i you know there's something about just having the questions laid out and, and putting it out for anyone mm-hmm. that is a challenge even for someone who loves to talk at a microphone but the idea of getting to talk about terror, and I love that idea. And then that's why I asked, you know, the main thing I asked at her wake, and I've continued to ask since she passed, so she died, to 
you know, encouraged my friends to talk. And people have. People have really talked about and told the stories. And that was the amazing part of her wake was mm-hmm. everyone just really did engage in that quickly. But it hasn't gone away. Um, it It's... It's really, that really matters to me and and the most important thing because it's like we, we've been talking about throughout this episode. It's like she was a presence and that's what I don't want to go away from the world because, you know, for, for as much ego as I can have, um, you know, the greatest stamp I ever got on my life was that Taryn chose me and because she was so particular and she was had a great sense of style and she was cool. I'm not cool, but she was cool. Like, but she was cool and chose me. So that was always, that's always been sort of, you know, I, I, I have had self-confidence issues and stuff through my life, but that was great. Like that's how I knew, you know, that was a big, that gave me a lot and has given me a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say? I mean, I could share things about Taryn for like 40,000 episodes. For as much as I, I could have self-confidence issues and sh- and she was obviously the coolest. <laughs> we worked in a way that I knew I complimented her and she complimented yeah. me. That part wasn't mysterious to me. I wasn't like, why did this very cool person choose to leave me? <laughs> I mean, maybe I had my moments of that, but I really, that part, we worked so well. Yeah. We complimented each other so well that that actually wasn't weird to me. Yeah. She also saw a very malleable clay. She's like, I can work with this. There <laughs> <laughs> were love- sideburns first, and we can work from there. I love that you say that as a positive. Yeah. I'm willing to, I think that's a positive for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, if someone wants to point out my for, for sure, sure. <laughs> exactly, she was right from moment one. Her first suggestion was accurate, and I don't really think she went wrong after that. Well, and you know, maybe others would, but yeah, I'm well. I I'm always willing to hear what other people would suggest for me. Don't don't put that in the comments on this podcast. Don't keep those to yourself. I don't know. You might get some great feedback on your. All right, you know what? I'm willing to. You know what? <laughs> I have, I have both, I have a sixth sense of ego. Yeah, I want to hear it. What do you got? Everyone's just going to say you're a total catch. I'll just delete all the other comments. <laughs> That's the only one I want. Unless you say that. Five stars for this podcast. <laughs> and. For Miranda and total catch for Zach. Yeah. All right. No. I'm going to spend another second here in gratitude for Zach. I can't and I don't want to imagine my life without you. So uh, thanks for spilling your guts in the most beautiful way on the Big D. Listeners, if you are a hockey and Habs fan, you can find his podcast, The Montreal Bias, everywhere. And if you're curious about dinosaur trips check out dinosaurtrips.com. Now to celebrate my newest patrons. Yes, there are more. Thank you to Rachel, my bestie, roomie, platonic wifey, etc. everything. And my favorite cousin, Sophie. And to everyone 
else already chipping in. Greta, Jillian, Naomi, Bailey, Danielle, Cody, Nadine, Deanna. You are the best. If you have commitment issues and Patreon seems like too much, feel free to tip me for an episode through the PayPal link in my Instagram bio. If you do want to make it official and become a Patreon member, check out the link in the show notes. You can join for just five bucks a month, really just till the end of the year, $10 or $25 a month, and you get perks like shoutouts and recordings and access to a close friends list on Instagram, preview and exclusive content. This helps cover the cost of my subscriptions for editing, marketing, and maybe if I'm lucky, some of my time too. I usually spend about 10 to 15 hours a week on the podcast. Credit for writing, production, editing, mixing, etc. It all goes to me, Miranda. Credit for my opening music goes to singer-songwriter Posey. Next episode is another personal storytelling one where a pal talks about her polyamorous breakup. You don't want to miss it. In between episodes, join the growing community of Ds on Patreon or on Instagram at Big D Pod. Please share, save, like, forward, do what you do. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all my friends who believed I could and can, so I did and I do.